Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So good. If we haven't met before, uh, my name is Andrew. And uh, along with my wife, Beck, we're so privileged to lead this community. And thank you, as Beck said, for an amazing, amazing year. We are just so grateful for all the stories, everything that uh, God has done. And so today we are continuing our series called The Christmas List. And today we're talking about wisdom. And so naturally, in the uh, preparing a message on wisdom... The first place that I went to was Facebook. And so I asked Facebook, that eternal source of wisdom, and I put a couple of questions out on Facebook and Insta. And the first question was this, what is the best advice you have ever received? All right, and so here is what Facebook has told us. The first one, very Christmassy. Um, do not eat yellow snow. That was the first response. Another one, don't take a laxative and a sleeping pill at the same time. <laughs> Here's another one from Facebook. Once your children can walk, don't wear thongs just in case you need to chase them down. That's some pretty good. Does anyone have a, ever had a thong blowout as you're running after kids, those parents here? Um, some great advice from somebody's dad Uh, As a kid, if you got up there, you can get down. Here's another one. Stripes with checks is a hard no. All right. That's the wrong kind of pattern clash. The last one I like, some of the older generation will get this one. Be like Rick Astley. He's never going to give you up, never going to let you down, (laughs) never going to run around and hurt you. So thank you. But Facebook also surprised me. Here are some gems from Facebook and Instagram, don't follow people into the depths of their emotions, but be there to help them back out. That's pretty good, isn't it? I like that. Don't make big decisions in bad seasons. Never burn a bridge if you can help it. Feel the fear, but do it anyway. Never make a permanent decision based on temporary emotions. So that was the first question. The second question was this, what is the best advice, like what is good advice, what is wisdom that you've, has come to you but you've rejected it? So what is the good thing that you've ignored or diminished or haven't followed through? And uh, this lady uh, shared a story with me. She said as she was walking out the door with her skateboard, her dad said, don't forget your helmet. And she just kept walking. Do you know what the doctor said to her in the hospital? You're lucky to be alive. Most of the responses to this question about the best advice you've been that you have rejected has been around relationships. So one lady uh, sent this through to me. She said she had advice that says never trust someone who speaks poorly about others. But she didn't listen. And 
the person that she went into a relationship with uh, actually end up speaking very poorly about her based on all the information that she had gathered. But most of the responses were about key relationships. Don't date that person. Don't marry that person. Okay, I, some people said at different levels, if I had listened, I would have saved two and a half years of my life or some, it's longer and longer effects. And so key relationships, that is really where we need wisdom. Now we are looking at uh, a passage of scripture which was 700 years before the birth of Christ. That's a long time. And in the nation of Israel, Israel had, the kingdom of Israel had rejected the wisdom of God. They had the, the wisdom, the counsel, the message of God time after time, and they kept rejecting it. And what had happened as a result of that rejection is their nation had split in part. There was two, two kings, a northern king and a southern king, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And their nation was divided. After that, they begin to be occupied. The northern part was completely wiped out and destroyed. And 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel were carried away to other nations never to return. Those 10 tribes do not exist now on the face of the planet. There are only two tribes of Israel that currently exist now. I don't know if you knew that. And so what happened is this... The Assyrians came in and they terrorized physically and psychologically this whole nation. And it was because they had rejected the wisdom of God. They had alliances with foreign nations. They worshipped foreign gods. And they trusted them to save them. So there was bad advice, bad decisions and bad outcomes. And in the midst of this, there is a prophetic voice going against the tide, going against what was going on. And this prophetic voice began to speak about the Messiah. Isaiah 9.2, it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Now this makes way more sense if half of a nation has been destroyed, if there is oppression from Egypt down in the south and from Assyria and later the Babylonians from the north, it makes more sense. This is a time of intense darkness and despair and destruction. Whole cities were wiped out. There's archaeological evidence of layers of blood in cities from this particular time period Bones and blood, incredible carnage and destruction. But in the midst of this, Isaiah says there's a great light that's coming. He goes on in Isaiah 9, 6. It's pretty well known verse. It says, for, us, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of peace. And this is what we're calling the Christmas list. This is the nature and character of Jesus foretold 700 years before his coming. And so today we're talking about this idea of wonderful counselor. 
wonderful counsellor, Jesus, the wisdom of the person of Jesus. Now, in this, we could say that it is wonderful counsellor. It can mean a counsellor who works wonders or a wonder who gives counsel. And this is the mystery and miracle of Jesus. And this is in contrast to all the bad decisions of all the rulers of Israel that got them in all kinds of mess. So a contrast to that is there is someone who's coming who has wisdom and can govern and can lead effectively. And this is the Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas. The Apostle Paul says about this in 1 Timothy 3.16. He says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations and he was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says this, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It is wisdom with power to govern. It is wisdom that moves things and moves people. And so today I want to talk about two things the wonderful counsel of God will give you. Three options of what it could or will become in your life. And the one thing that the wonderful counsel of God hinges on. And to do that, I'm going to go back a chapter to Isaiah 8 verse 11 to 17, I'll be reading from the NIV, and you can listen or read along. I'll have some scriptures up a little bit later. But this is Isaiah speaking, and he's convicted and compelled because he says, This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. So there's a message, but the type of message, there is a conviction saying God is impressing this upon me to share to a very rough crowd. There's, not, there's no vibe, not loving him. And he says this, don't call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear don't, and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one. You are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place, both for Israel and Judah, so north and south. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Bind up this testimony of warning and seal up. God's instruction among my disciples and wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Now we're going to unpack this a bit because at face value, you might say this is not terribly encouraging. But we're going to see the power of the wonderful counsel of God. And the two things the wonderful counsel of God will give you. The first one is perspective. It will give you a perspective. Who knows that in this time, this is an unprecedented season in global history, 
where there is all kinds of different perspectives on all kinds of different things. And to get the right perspective is essential. It says, don't call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear and do not dread it. The first thing is perspective. The second thing is truth. At the very end, 16 and 70 says, Bind this testament of warning and seal up God's instruction, which is God's truth. Among my disciples, I'll wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. There are two things that our society desperately needs, but often rejects, and that is perspective and truth. We are unsure what is true. And if you take a couple examples that probably spring to your mind, particularly around news media, both sides are claiming absolute truth around their positions. And the wonderful counsel and wisdom of God will give you perspective and truth. And I'm going to unpack this a little bit later, but right now what I'll say, the big idea is that God wants us to have an eternal perspective and a spiritual perspective. Now, if I just limit my perspective to what is going on, the things I can see, the things I can experience, I will easily become fearful of pretty much everything. I will become distressed. I will become worried about everything. I will make decisions based on fear and worry. And that will take me into a place of despair. But God says, with my wisdom and counsel, I will give you perspective and truth. And that's the first thing. The second thing I want to talk about is three options of what the wonderful counsel of God will become in your life. And the three options are these. One, a sanctuary. Two, a stone. Or three, a snare. Does anyone know how peppermint choc chip ice cream has been made? Does anyone know? Does anyone know the process? Okay, so what you're going to do, if you want to do this at home, this is a life hack. All right, what you do, you go to the supermarket, you get some toothpaste, and you take it home, you put it in the freezer. Then you crush up some chocolate. Once the, the toothpaste is done, you squeeze that toothpaste into a tub, and then you mix the chocolate with it, and boom, you've got your peppermint chocolate ice cream. That is how it is made. Who knows that there are probably some crazy people in this building right now or listening online that love peppermint choc chip ice cream. Is there any here? There are, there's a few. Okay. This is a, probably a bigger altar call. I've probably put more people offside than what I had said. Who knows that... Different people can experience the same thing differently. So we, when, it, when it comes to flavors of ice cream, okay, we've got, you know, I'm very confident that mine is the most normal, the, the flavors that I like, and peppermint and those kind of mixes of the peppermint and the berries are, are too much. But people have different responses. There can be love, there can be hate, there can be indifference. So some people like love the Marvel franchise, like the new Spider-Man movie. It's like the best movie I've ever seen. Some people like 
what's Spider-Man? I've never heard of, or, or is that a thing, right? Some people love CrossFit. Some people love veganism, all right? All kinds of different things. Some people like steak. Some people are vegetarians, all kinds of things. We have a different response but to actual things. But in relationships, our response to a person determines how we experience that person. Let me say that again. Our response to a person determines how we experience that person. Let me give you an example. There are two employees and they've got the same boss. One of the employees turns up to work late every day. Uh, They take long breaks. They're unreliable. They complain. They bring a bad energy into the team. That's one employee, same boss. Another employee turns up on time, is encouraging, is thankful, has gratitude, does their work, goes over and above, goes beyond their role, actively looks to help others. Those two employees will have a different experience with their boss. That's true, right? Well, a good boss should should obviously talk about some of those things that are going on in terms of their organisation. And our response to a person determines how we experience that person. And our response to God determines how we experience God. So there are some options that actually we choose by our own choice about how we will experience God And this is what this passage is talking about. It's saying you have a choice that God could be a sanctuary to you. You could love being there. It could be a place of joy. It could be a place of hope. It could be a place of safety. But if you reject the message of God, if you are indifferent, if you are undecided, you're going to have a different experience of God eventually. And this is the one thing that the wonderful counsel of God hinges on. It's the fear of God. Isaiah uh, 8.13, it says this, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. What does that mean? Let's unpack that a little bit. Because I am not afraid of God in that way. I do not dread God. Why? Because he is my sanctuary. I love God. God is loving. But there will come to a there comes a point in everyone's life at the end of their life into eternity where we are on a collision course with God. We are going to have a meeting with God. And we get to choose the outcome of that meeting based on how we respond to Jesus. So Jesus is so gracious. His arms are stretched wide. He laid down his whole life so that we could come to him. And as long as we have breath, we have a choice, an option. But there will be a time that we have to stand before and we'll have to say, and God will say, how did you respond to Jesus? 
And in that time, we will have in our life have made choices and a series of choices for God to be either a sanctuary to us or to be a stone or a snare, something that trips us up. The commentator uh, R. Kent Hughes says this, The New Testament explains that God is the most unavoidable and the most dangerous in Jesus. Now, now what am I saying? Again, I'm saying like, I love Jesus. He's the most wonderful person. But in Matthew 21, 44, Jesus says, talks about being the cornerstone. He says, anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces and anyone whom on it falls will be crushed. The story that is told is very much the story of the worker the employee with the same boss. He's told a parable. He's told a story. And what he's saying is our response to God determines how we experience God. And God's plan, God's desire embodied in the person and sacrifice of Jesus is that we accept the invitation of grace and of life and the wonderful counsel for living that he brings. I'm going to invite Aiden back to, uh, to play. Here's what I know. This Christmas, we're celebrating Jesus leaving heaven, the riches of heaven, to humble himself, to walk as a man, to live his life, in sacrifice to us. And the reason that He could do that is to make a way. His plan, His number one option is that we are brought in to this wisdom. Let's, I'm not quite finished. I've got about five more minutes to go, but I would just want to pray for us right now. God's plan is for us to experience the favour of God. He is the source of life and peace and hope. But where it starts is a reverence for God. Seeing God really as He is. Not being indifferent to Him. Not hating Him. Not despising Him. And when we see God, You are the most important thing that gives us the perspective that we need for the wisdom to live. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just honour You as a church. You are so important. You are so valuable. And we thank you for who you are. This Christmas, you are a wonderful counsellor. You are the source of wisdom for living. And God, we honour you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So just to finish, I've got five quick things. It's going to take about five minutes. How can we live this out practically? Because for most of us, we are going to be over Christmas, have some different situations which will require wisdom and a different perspective, the perspective of Jesus. And so as part of the Christmas list, we're saying, don't just prepare your stuff. Don't just have a list of stuff, but have a list of things that you can prepare yourself. I want to be fully prepared to represent Jesus this Christmas. And so I'm going to give you five Jesus perspectives so that we can have the wisdom of Jesus this Christmas. The first one is this, from Ephesians 4.32. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. This Christmas, most of us have situations in family or relationships where people would be brought together mainly because of family or because of Christmas. And the message, the wisdom of God is to forgive. Question, is there someone in your family or close relationship that you need to forgive? And today's the day to do it. Here's another bit of Facebook wisdom. The person who apologizes first, apologizes first wins the argument. So I encourage you, make a decision even right now in this moment that I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to let go of a bit of pride, let go of the past, and I'm going to say, hey, I forgive you. Take that first step. The second one is this, bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. This might even be someone that you you don't even like. And maybe you've got to sit across the dinner table from them. Maybe it's someone that's been mean to you, has hurt you, has not done the right thing. And Jesus says himself, bless them. He says anyone can love their friends, but it takes a different perspective, a different truth, an eternal perspective to bless those who curse you and, lo- and pray for those who hurt you. I preached a message maybe about eight years ago uh, at another church and someone posted a quote which was not my own, but I, I used that stuck with them and helped them in a couple of different and difficult situations. It says this, Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. You know, when you hold on to bitterness, when you hold on to unforgiveness, you actually tether yourself to someone else and their problems. And if you want to be really free, you cut the cord with forgiveness. You cut the cord with love. A couple of years ago, uh, I had a guy and he had quite a, a messy divorce. And he was having all kinds of issues with his ex wife. And I said to him, Look, here's what I encourage you to do pray God's love and blessing upon her. He was a very polite guy. So in the moment he said yes. But later he's like, I'm not doing that. But he did it. And you know what happened? He said when there used to be situations where he felt he was going to be reactive, nothing happened. And he was just able to be calm and express the love of God in that moment. Really good. Number three, don't be drunk on wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This message is not an anti-alcohol message. This message is a message that says, if we drink too much, it's not performance enhancing. I've never met a drunk who said, my life is thriving. All my relationships are going well. I'm not talking about enjoying Uh, a glass of wine or a beer over this Christmas, what I'm talking about is that if I'm going to be filled with something, if I'm going to be intoxicated with something, I need to be filled with joy. What is coming out of me? Joy and life and peace. And God is encouraging us with this message. 
to be under the influence of the Spirit of God. Number four, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 It's easy to compare. It's easy to think of what we don't have. But God's plan for us is for our lives to be filled with gratitude, no matter what you've got or don't have this Christmas. I remember growing up being so fragile. I think when I was like eight years old, eight or nine years old, uh, I love ice cream, except for peppermint. And I remember this is how trivial it was. My brother got a bigger scoop of ice cream than me. And I just lost it. And uh, I want to say I forgive you, bro. <laughs> this is the moment, practicing what I preach. You know, we can, be, we can be really ungrateful, but God wants our hearts to be filled with gratitude and love. This is my final one. And then we're going to have some, uh, some food together. The fifth one is this. Godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. I read a quote uh, this week and it says, Live life to hear the applause of nail-scarred hands. That's the hands of Jesus. If we position ourselves, if we position our hearts that we don't ride the roller coaster of other people's approval for us or disapproval of us or our success, but our hearts are deeply connected to who Jesus is. You know what Jesus embodied? He embodied grace and truth and love and service, servant leadership. And this Christmas, we want to encourage you to live your life for the applause of Jesus. The applause of the nail scarred hands. Just before we go, I've talked about five different things about forgiveness, for about blessing enemies, for about self-control, giving thanks and contentment. Why don't you just take 20 seconds, the person next to you, and say, hey, which of those encouraged you or challenged you just before we finish? Yeah, so you can, you can chat to the person next to you. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for this year, this amazing year, and heading into this Christmas season. Lord, for those that have decided to live under that wisdom and that counsel of Jesus, to embody peace and hope and joy and the message of truth. Lord, we just pray that your spirit will strengthen them, that you would inspire them to love others really well, to travel light, to be the first to forgive, the first to love, the first to hope, 
the carriers of peace. And so God, we pray a blessing on this entire church, who you are, what you're doing. And we can't wait for next year to see what you're going to do with us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.